0: podcast city network listener discretion is advised you're listening to the everett lee show a shot of entertainment to the head sit back relax and enjoy the entertainment
1: What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Everett Lee Show podcast. I'm the Everett Lee. Quick shout out to everyone that follows me on social media. You can follow me at the Everett Lorescore Lee, Facebook.com slash Everett Lee. Click that thumbs up. And of course, Podcast City Network, the official host of the Everett Lee Show. Well, I want to say happy two year anniversary to Podcast City Network for celebrating two years of. That's right, two years. And if you heard this March, on March 7th, we are going to be uh, co-owning or co-headlining with CCE Presents Seven Kingdoms at City Limits Tap Room. So be sure to check out more information on that when available. But I have my guest on the line tonight. I want to jump right into it. I have on the line right now, on the line is none other than film director, film producer Jeremiah Kip. How you doing tonight, Jeremiah? Welcome to the Everly Show
0: I'm doing great Thanks for having me on
1: Awesome, awesome I've been uh, wanting to get you on for quite a while I mentioned that right before we went live I've been wanting to get you on for a while because looking at your social media and everything that you do with film and indie indie films, it's just Fantastic, all the posts and everything that you share. Uh, I love what what you do and been looking into what you've been doing with films. And I enjoy what I see so far. I love it. I love what you do. Thank you. You're welcome. And where did that all start out for you? Where did you grow up at?
0: Well, I grew up in uh, a very rural backwoods town in Rhode Island. Which is uh, pretty far from, well, I mean, it's three hours away from the New York City that I live in right now. But it's like a world apart, you know. It's like when I was growing up, it was like woods and uh, growing up with my grandparents who were uh, in their 50s when I was growing up with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the closest I ever got to indie horror was uh, watching VHS, VHS tapes of like um, Dawn of the Dead or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that. Um so it was um, it was very remote, and you know it was it was in the it was in the eighties when, you know, if you were if you were a horror fan, then the way that you would go about it would be you'd be talking to your cousin or something, somebody who'd be like, oh, "I just saw this amazing movie, I just saw this film called uh, Last House on the Left. It was so crazy. I, I'll bring up I'll bring up the VHS tape, you know." So like that was really. You know, that, that was my introduction to all the stuff was just um, growing up and having a vivid imagination and uh, seeing the movies that were being made by people like uh, Toby Hooper and George Romero, um, who were not studio guys, who were guys that were like, it just seemed like they were going out into their backyards and like making these crazy films. Right. And it, and it just made it seem way more achievable for a guy like me, who who didn't know anybody who was just a kid that was, uh, in the backwoods, like with pickup trucks and shotguns uh-huh. and, uh, and deer running around in the backyard. And that was about it, you know? And, uh, there was a passion for the certain kind of movie that, uh, that, um, just seemed really important to me when I was growing up. Um, but that, that's it. Rhode Island uh-huh. in a small town called Hopkinson.
1: Okay, awesome. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Dawn of the Dead, and you mentioned yeah. the Last House on the Left. That was yeah. a couple of your uh, early films. What What other films did you uh, enjoy watching growing up?
0: Well, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was huge. Oh. You know, that was one where uh, you know you watch that movie and you feel like it was made by crazy people, mm-hmm. and uh, it was so important to me. It was like it, it didn't feel like polished like a, like a big blockbuster movie, like Star Wars or something. Right. You know, you saw Texas Chainsaw and you were like, oh my God, you know, these, like these people were out in the middle of nowhere and clearly decided to make this film about Leatherface and his family. And, uh, and it was one of those moments where I was like, all right, you know, I, I get that. I get, you know, I get the, the feeling of, uh, uh, this sort of rural dread, you know, that like uh, Texas Chainsaw had, that was like a pretty important movie for me. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, John Carpenter's, the thing was actually a, a huge one. Like that, you know, it's kind of like two side, two opposite sides, like Texas Chainsaw and Dawn of the Dead made it feel really possible. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, they're like, Oh, people went out and made these things. And then you watch the thing and the thing feels like a studio movie on crack. You know, it feels like, <laughs> um, you know, it's like as well made as a Spielberg movie, but right. it's like utterly disturbing with like, you know, these middle aged guys out in the Arctic, you know, with dogs that are like turning into monsters and people's chests are exploding open and stuff like that. Right. So the thing like back then and now I thought was like just one of the most important filmic experiences I've ever had. And John Carpenter... Is just the consummate like filmmaker, you know. He's as mm-hmm. I, I thought he was as good as Spielberg, right, at like visual storytelling. So yeah, Texas Chainsaw is a thing. Dawn of the Dead. I mean, these movies were really my childhood.
1: Yeah, they th- those are those are great movies right there. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that the original that that scared that scared the shit out of me. Now, oh I, yeah, one one movie that I. Still will not watch to this day. Sooner or later, I will watch it. Um, being a pansy uh-huh. about it is is the uh, the remake uh, of the '80s version of the Blob.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. that well, that's a great movie. Yeah. It's got a great director. Like so, it was directed by Chuck Russell, mm-hmm. who's a phenomenal filmmaker. He did Elm Street three. Yes, and then I think he did the Blob right after that. And then the script was by Frank Darabont. Right. So you've got like a director that really knows his business. I mean, like, it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. It's beautifully um, made. Uh-huh. And then the script is really smart and, like, and, and disturbing because you're like, all right, well, that's the Steve McQueen guy, and there's the biker guy, and there's the girl. And then, like, the, the way that they kill off characters in that movie <laughs> really upset me because it was, like, not in the right order. Uh-huh. Like, it sets you up to really care about, like, at least three people right? who die in the first like 40 minutes of the movie in horrible ways. Yeah. And you're like, that's not the right order. That's not the way these, these things are supposed to go. Yeah. And it deeply, I mean, I, I, I like, like you, I felt deeply disturbed because it yeah. felt wrong, I, you know? Uh, and, and that I think was like a great quality of the script was like, it, you, you couldn't anticipate it. Right. And like, you know, I, I saw the, I saw the Stephen Queen block before I saw the 1988 Blob. Yeah, the, the so, black and white I so I expected it to be like that. You know, I expected it to be normal. Yeah. And it was not normal. It was very disturbing and toxic.
1: hmm
0: Yeah. You know, pretty powerful film.
1: Yeah, it still it still gives me chills when when the, the in the hospital. When they're in the hospital and the guy and the blob yeah. falls down and the boyfriend and the girlfriend grabs yeah. him and pulls the arm out. That just disturbed that disturbed me, man. To this day that still disturbs me. That's right. And another another movie that that's good. That I will get get around to watching again, one day was it was like a parody of the Blob. It was called The Stuff. Remember that?
0: Oh, The Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's got a great uh, a great actor as the lead actor in that, Michael Moriarty, mm-hmm. and uh, and Larry Cohen. Um, he was making movies that were a little subversive. So The yeah. Stuff. You know, it's like you watch that and you're like, all right, this is gonna be like kind of a funny like kind of silly movie but then like the way that people are dying in that movie you're just like <laughs> completely you know you don't expect it because yeah. you're like that's not the way that you know it's like uh you know like you, you know you when you're a kid you read Grimm's fairy tales and you're yeah. like Hansel and Gretel show up and the witch is going to eat them and then the you know and the shit goes down uh-huh. and even Texas Chainsaw follows those rules like don't go in the house or you'll get killed right but like movies like the blob and the stuff, mm-hmm. it was like, you might get, you know, your body might not be normal anymore. Like the minute that you're infiltrated, like things are going to be popping out of like weird places, Yes, you know? And, and that's very upsetting because, you know, you want, you want there to be some normalcy in the world. Mm-hmm. And like when normalcy is demolished by the blob or the stuff, then, right. then, you know, when you're a viewer of a movie, you're like, you're you're thrown into a nightmare you know it's like the logic is all thrown out the window and you're like nothing is going to be as it seems right which is deeply disturbing
1: it, it is it is it, it yeah the logic is it's just it's disturbing and just how they set up everything the effects and just the acting i just i just love that man i just love that and another another like Cheesy, like sci fi horror would have to be killer clowns from outer space. That was just. Oh, yeah,
0: that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that well, was a lot not... of people are disturbed by clowns. Was that yeah. something that upset you and you're Like, were you upset by clowns when you were a kid?
1: Not not really. Not really. Uh, it didn't really upset me. It's just seeing seeing a different take on clowns. I was just like. Sure. Eh, because I knew it was just. The a way a clown is, is just is someone wearing makeup and acted silly. That's how I looked at looked at clowns yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> but seeing ones from outer space that's coming to like you know yeah. take over the planet and use humans as consumption for their their needs, I was just like, okay, right. this is just different. But another another uh, great movie that I remember as a kid is uh, Chud. That I liked that one.
0: Yeah, right, so. well, yeah, uh, cannibal human you know, under <laughs> underground dwellers. Yes. Well, like you know, I, I remember seeing that, and I had this crazy thought when I was watching the movie. I was like, I have to move to New York City. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, which I did. I moved to New York in 1992. But I remember Chud was like part of that, where I was like, you know, it's like I gotta get out of this one horse town, right? And I gotta get into the city where weird stuff happens, like Chud people. You know, yeah. and I, obviously I knew that like, that was a fiction, but yeah. like, um, but there was something about like the, the cityscape of like a movie, like shot the name you go like, all right, I, I gotta, yeah, I gotta go there. Cause anything can happen at any time.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it's, it's great because yeah, it, it makes you, it would make you want to like, yeah, go to, go to New York and is like, you see something like that, you know, like your imagination run wild. Yeah. It's like something can happen. You know, could this happen? Maybe that can happen. But having, totally. yeah, having having movies like that being a influence for you. When when did that uh, help you? Like having all these influences and watching these movies get you into directing. Did you did you go to college or film school?
0: I did. Yeah. I, I uh, the way I got into film school was uh, my grandparents got a VHS camcorder. And then I got all my friends together and we made all these movies. So the time I was making like VHS movies was around the time of like Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I made movies for a couple of years that were all these sort of like zombie movies and stuff like that. And then um, I cut a little reel together and uh, my art teacher helped me like uh, get some scholarships some grants, and grants. I went to New York, New York University. So in 1992, I moved to New York and I went to NYU. And I went to film school and it was fantastic. You know, it was like, uh, cause I'd always been in like, you know, the backwoods and, you know, just like rural back roads and shotguns, pickup trucks. Right. And, uh, and moving into the city, I felt like such a, like such a country boy, uh-huh. uh, moving into the big apple. But, you know, it was like a great school. It was like a, amazing people had gone to the school I'd gone to like, Scorsese and Spike Lee and the Coen brothers and people like that. Yes. So, uh, I got a really good, like classical film school education. And, uh, and that was where I started to like, uh, learn technique. You know, it's like, uh, up until then I was kind of winging it. Right. And then like being in film school, that's when you're like, Oh, John Carpenter was really inspired by John Ford and Howard Hawks. And, you know, he was using uh, widescreen and, uh, you know, you're, you're learning all this, like, stuff that you do with the camera. Right. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know anything, you know, I don't, any, I don't know anything about making movies. And film school is good for me in that way. And then, you know, the other good thing about film school is you meet, like, minded people who are all like, yeah, let's go make movies together. So once I got out of film school, I, I w- started working with this uh, bunch of people who were... Uh, you know, like you get out of film school and you're like, what am I going to do? You know, it's like, I don't have any money. I can't make a feature film. Right. I'm, I'm, what am I, how am I going to survive? Uh, New York is very expensive. So I worked for various like film companies, but I, the more important thing was I was, I, was I, I had a bunch of friends who were all like, we've got a camera, we've got some editing equipment. Let's make a movie every Sunday and uh, we'll call ourselves a Sunday club. Let's make movies. And like that was really good for me. So like every Sunday, we out there like making movies. And, uh, and I encourage any filmmaker who's like, how do I get into show business? What do I do? It's like you can go to film school, which is what I did, and you learn a lot. But just as important, if not more so, is like find like-minded people who are like as film nerdy as you are. Right. Who are like, uh, let's get together. We'll have a really nice lunch and we'll make some crazy movie. And I did that for many years. You know, it's like I got out of film school in 96. Right. And, uh, you know, I was making a bunch of these like sort of shitty movies for like for years, you know, like 1999, I made my first like big movie and like tried to put it in film festivals. And it was a disaster. You know, It was, it was like, it was. nobody wanted it. And, uh, I kept going. And in 2003, I made another movie it was based on something that had happened to me when I was a little kid, okay. you know, it, like there was a little, it was a movie about, um, a little kid that goes to a Christmas party that's run by Christians, like hardcore Christians, right. Who want everybody else to be Christian too. So I had kind of an invasion of the body snatchers side, okay. you know, only it's like, you know, only it's like a religious conversion, crazy movie. And that one played for like three years and it was a festival hit and like horror festivals played it. And, Non-horror festivals played it, and like it, it booked me. Like you know, people saw that and were like, "Oh, there's a bunch of little kids in it. We'll get, we'll pay you to direct our commercials," you know. And and I wound up like learning a lot about not just making a movie, which you know, film school and working on these other things have done. Right. But then you learn about you, you start learning a lot about show business and about like actually getting paid to show up and direct things. Uh, so I I did that for a while. Um, and, uh, wow. uh, I did commercials. I was an assistant director on various feature films. Nice. Um, nice. I learned a lot from, uh, I, I became friends with a, a horror film director in New York named Barry Fessenden who directed, uh, have it and Wendigo go at the last winter and all these great movies, but he produced a movie called the ice help the dead uh-huh. with, um, with Angus Grimm from phantasm. And, uh, uh, Ron Perlman, uh, the great Ron Perlman from yes. uh, Hellboy and so on. And uh, um, Dominic Monaghan from Lord of the Rings. And it was a period horror film uh-huh. about grave robbers who had various adventures. I was the assistant director on that. Okay. And like, that was like a million-dollar movie. So I was like, oh, God, you know, it's like I I really, I worked hard. You know, I, I, felt, I still felt like that country boy from Rhode Island who didn't know anything. Right. Right. And I learned a lot about making, I, I learned a lot about everything. I learned a lot about how to, how to deal with a crew that doesn't give a fuck about your feelings. <laughs> I learned a lot about like working with uh, movie stars uh-huh. and like, they're all very different. They were like, Dominic Monaghan was very different from Ron Carlin was very different from Angus Scrimm. Right. Um, you know, they're all, I mean like all three of them were very different guys, you know, like, uh, Angus Scrimm was like, uh, The most beautiful person you could possibly meet, you know, like a generous, old school Hollywood guy, Mm -hmm. you know, like old Hollywood, where he treated everybody like we were part of a very special club. You know, it's like, oh, isn't it great that we get to make these movies? And, uh, and he would call people, like, these names that were from, like, the 1950s, or, like, the Great Gatsby or something. You know, he'd be like, hey, old man, <laughs> it's very good to be here with you today, you know, whatever. And you're like, man, you are a different generation than us. You know, you are old school, <laughs> classical, like, great guy. And then Ron Perlman was more, uh, he brought his dog to set with him. Uh, I think oh. the dog's name was, like, Chumley or something like that. Okay. But, like, Ron would show up and, like, was incredibly... Like, had a great sense of humor about the whole process. Like, didn't take it too seriously. He was like, you know what? I could just as easily not be here, you know, but I was on the swim team, and they were like, we need a tall actor to be in the school play. Perlman, get out of the pool and come be in the play. And he's like, oh, this is what I love doing. <laughs> you know, and uh, so he kind of just enjoyed the whole process. Right. Um, and then Dominic Monaghan was like from Lord of the Rings. So he was used to like huge budget movies yeah. and like, uh, was a very nice guy, but also like very detached from getting to know the scrappy crew. Uh-huh. You know, he was kind of like used to working with 300 people. So right. Right. he didn't get to know anybody that well. He just went in and did his job and was very nice and very cool and very good to work with. Right. Very, always very nice to me but like I was one of like 300 people in his life, you know, he didn't really know anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, all right, now I, now I know what it's like, you know, it's like Angus Scream, Ron Perlman, Dominic Monahan, you know, it's like, all right, now I get like a full picture of what it's like to work with actors who are on a different planet than you are. Right. Uh, right. And then, and you know, that was, and then once I'd done that, then I, I got back into directing again and, um, and moved on from there
1: nice yeah i was going to ask you some of the people that you worked with and i heard ron Perman. he's he he's a class act man he's he's professional he's a great guy and he he's really he's really great and i was i was a little i was uh I was bummed that they didn't use him for another Hellboy movie, man. Because I I thought he 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 made yeah. that come to life off the comics there, and I loved him in Sons. of I know
0: movie, those movies are so good with Perlin playing Hellboy.
1: Yeah, that's when I when I think of Hellboy, I think of, I think of him. That's it. And totally. Sons of Anarchy. Me and my wife, we were fan fan of that show. We watched all seven seasons, and the characters character oh, yeah. K- Clay was just it was just great. He's a class act, man. I, I I love that. That is awesome that you get to work with him. Great
0: guy, great actor. Yeah. yeah.
1: Who else? Who else? Yeah, have you worked, you've worked with. Uh, I know you worked with Tom Sizemore on uh, on Black Wake.
0: Black Weight. Yeah, yeah, like Tom Sizemore. Like, so that was my third feature, mm-hmm. and I uh, I mean, I, I really liked Sizemore. He was great to work with. Right. My very first time directing a name actor was in two thousand and ten, and that was uh, my first feature. It was called The Sadist, and that was with Tom Savini, and uh, Tom was great. You know, it's like Tom showed up. Uh, horror fans will know him from from Dusk Till Dawn, and like he did special effects on Creep Show and Friday the Thirteenth, and so on. Well, oh, nice. you know, I was hired to do a Killer in the Woods movie, and uh, and they were like, "Who do you think should play the killer?" And I was like, "Well, let's get Tom Savini," and we got <laughs> Tom, and uh, and Tom showed up, and uh, I'd heard a lot about him, so like you know, like the way he is at conventions and stuff is. He's a pretty difficult guy. Mm-hmm. He has no time for anybody. Right. You know, it's like, he's, he's not interested in your opinion. Right. But like, uh, but I, I don't know. I had a feeling about him. I was like, you know, the director of photography, Dominic Savilli, who I've worked with for many years. Dom and I were like, Savini's coming. Why don't we uh, cut together like four minutes of footage from this movie? So we, he knows that we know what we're doing. So right. Tom shows up and he immediately acts like a huge dick. <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, put the camera here. He starts directing the other actors. He starts doing everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're like, Tom, that's great. We really value your opinion. But, like, uh, here's, like, four minutes of our footage. Why don't you check it out and, like, see what you think. And then he watched it, and he was like, oh, oh, good, 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 good. Great. I'm going to go get ready now. And then he went and got ready and he covered himself in dirt and shit and like got like very Lon Chaney about the whole thing. Yeah. And then he showed up on set and he was so good to work with. I mean, he was easy to work with. He cared about us. He was supportive of the crew. He was supportive of his co-stars. He took direction. Like anytime I had a note for him, he would incorporate it. Right. The only time he was an asshole was, uh, the food on set one day was pretty bad. The producers didn't take care of anybody. Uh-huh. And then they took him out to lunch and we're like, uh, Tom, tell us all about Friday the 13th. And he's like, no, why don't you tell me about the food situation for the crew? <laughs> you know? And then like, we got fifth head really well for the rest of the job. And like, Tom really took care of us. Like he cared about how we felt. And on mm-hmm. the last day of the shoot, like there's a bit where like uh, a truck hits Tom and all this stuff. We have a stuntman there. Yeah, and they're like, "Here's the truck, and the truck is going to hit you, Tom, and then like the stuntman will jump on, and everything will be." And he's like, "Well, don't you think it'd be great if I did it?" (laughs) And I'm like, "Tom, you're not going to jump on the hood of that thing. You're like 70 years old." (laughs) And he's like, "No, no, I know how to do it." And he and he talked us through how we could uh, drive the truck up and have him jump on it Mm -hmm. safely. And then, like, he would ride in and get pinned to the wall or whatever. Right. And I was like, Tom, if you're crazy enough to do this stunt at seven years old, I'm crazy enough to shoot it. And then, sure enough, everything was safe. Tom was safe. Everybody was safe. He did the stunt. And it was great. He was right. You know, it was like, there's Tom Savini doing this fucking crazy stunt. And <laughs> you can tell. And it was really good. And then, like, when Tom rapped and we finished with him, he gave me a huge hug. And it was like, you're a bright guy. And, uh, and that was my Tom Savini experience, which could have very easily been bad if I showed up and not been prepared. Right. You know, he was ready to take over the whole movie and be like, fuck you. I don't know who you are. (laughs) You know, I'll direct the movie and you can just sit in your chair and watch, you know, but like he felt like I knew what I was doing and he would do anything for me. And I really appreciate that. And that is advice to um, directors who are working your first time working with a Michael Berryman or a Kane Hodder or a Bill Moseley or any of those guys. Yeah. You know, it's like you really have to be prepared. You know, you have to show up ready to play. He's not going to wait for you. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give you any concessions. But if you, but if you show up and you're like, I am ready to play too. Mm-hmm. We're going to play soccer and I'm just as good a soccer player as you are then he will respect that and be like, all right, yeah, we're going to play together. We're going to play make believe together. Mm-hmm. We're just, all we're doing is playing make believe you're paying, you're paying me to pretend that I'm a monster. And, uh, and that's all we're doing. It's the same thing that we did when we were 12 years old, running around the woods. And like, I think that's really important. Is like, if you're working with those people, you can't put them on a pedestal. Right. You can't treat them like they're like a God. Mm-hmm. You got to be like, it's me and Tom from Pittsburgh out there, like, you know, and we're going to play good guys and bad guys. Right. And we're, and, uh, I know where to put the camera. I've shown, you know, it's like, I, you can trust me and we're in it together. And then like, once Tom believed that he was with me, 150% and then size, was the same way who like, yeah, it's Tom top, top size more. Uh-huh. That was my third feature. It was called black wake. Right. It's like, uh, H.P. Lovecraft, like monsters busting out of like the, you know, the elder gods, like doing crazy shit and mm-hmm. parasites and so on. People's heads are exploding. Yeah. And, uh, Sizemore is, uh, playing a detective, right? Yeah. And, uh, I've heard all like, you know, Sizemore was like phenomenal in, um, uh, the 90s, Natural One Killers and he Save Private Ryan, and Strange Days. But, you know, it's like since then, you know, you've got like a Tom Sizemore who's got a terrible drug problem and you hear horrible stories and you're like, I don't know what Tom Sizemore is going to show up today. Yeah. You know? Right. And I never met him. I've never spoken to him. And sure enough, he shows up and it's just like Tom Savini. He's like, where's my room? I'll come to set when you're ready to do your thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then like he shows up on set and the other actor, phenomenal this like you know 22 year old kid who's incredibly well prepared right and then size more figures out we know where to put the camera and we know what we're doing mm-hmm. and size more sees that the other actor is gonna totally take the scene from him yeah. if he doesn't you know do the work and that you could tell size more was like uh, all right I am gonna be a good scene partner for this guy I'm gonna really care about what I'm doing, and I really loved Tom. You know, I was with him for like a you know he was there for what a couple of days, right? And uh, he was sober. He was prepared. He cared about acting. He really cared about the person he was in the scene with. Um, he didn't give us any crap at all. Like he and and then you know like at the end of, you know like the funny part for me was like Tom had to make a phone call at one point. He's calling his mother. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and I'm like, Oh man, he's still Tommy from Detroit. Right. He's not Tom Sizemore. He's just this guy who did these cool movies and is very experienced. I mean, he's very, he's way more experienced than anybody on the set right now. Right. right. But like, he's also just like a dude who uh, is doing, is there doing his job and, um, and he likes what he does. You know, he mm-hmm. likes acting. I was very lucky. He was coming off of a Nicholas Cage movie, so he was very clean and sober. Yeah. And he was just about to do Twin Peaks with David Lynch. Mm-hmm. So I caught him at the perfect time where he was, like, not on drugs. He was not messed up. Yeah. He was just an actor's actor. He was there for the movie. He was there to take direction, okay. you know? So uh, not every actor has been like that for me. I mean, I've worked with some real fucking assholes, you know, like yeah. uh, uh, there, was a, there was a guy... Uh, you know, who um, famous actor who uh, showed up on set and like really wasn't there for his co-stars. You know, he, uh, he was, uh, I don't even know how to begin talking about him. Like he would, uh, if the, if the camera is supposed to be in a two shot with him and one other, uh, another actor who's less famous than him, Yeah, he would kind of set himself up in a spot where like it wasn't a two shot be being over the shoulder that was, facing him. Yeah. And I saw him doing it. I was like, man, you are really being unfair to this other actor. You know, it's supposed to be about both of you guys. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, I'm trying to do a thing to open up the space. And I'm like, no, you're trying your, your mark is right here. You're overshooting it. Yeah. And he, and you know, so he, I don't know, he was just one of those difficult guys that didn't care about the whole movie. He just cared about himself. Right. But Tom Sizemore was not that like Tom was all about the other actor, all about the movie, all about, um, making it kind of as good an experience for all of us as as it could be. He cared, you know. Like, um, I remember there was a bit like we were doing a shot and we were just rehearsing it, and somebody was uh, talking in the other room, and he poked his head into the other room and was like, "Stop talking, we're making a movie," you know. And I was like, "Man, this guy really cares about what we're doing here." It was like yeah. that good feeling that I had, like the the Angus Scrim feeling of like. We are all part of a very special club that gets to play make-believe. Right. And it's really wonderful that we get to do this. And we should respect the process and respect the journey. Mm-hmm. And that was what Tom was like. I mean, I, you know, it's like I, I told Tom afterwards, I was like, thank you. Yeah. And I was like, I learned so much from working with you. I learned so much about just how to behave on the set. And, you know, you could tell he was very humble about it. You know, it's like uh, acting is his life. I mean, like, the entire rest of his life outside of acting is probably totally out of control. Yeah. But, like, when he's on set and when he's, like, in a scene and he's doing a scene with another actor, and then we take a break and there's the catering, and, like, then we come back in and we're playing make-believe again and a different thing, and he's firing a gun at people. Uh, you know, it's like he loves it. He loves playing make-believe, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, And that was like true for Scrim and Savini and Sizemore, like all those guys, you know, it's like, we shouldn't put these people on a pedestal because like they look at themselves like the person they're playing Cowboys Indians with in the woods. You know, they're, they're the same thing. They're more experienced than you are. They've done it more than you have, but they're doing the exact same thing that you are. And that's, that was like what I learned from Sizemore. And I really thank him for that. It was a really great lesson to learn.
1: That's that's fantastic, man. That that's fantastic. Ed, that's awesome that uh, you learned learned that from him. And he 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 sounds cool. He 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 sounds he's cool really and, cool. And, and, yeah. and just, just when he's there, he he works and he does care. That's that's great because it does make yeah one hundred and fifty percent yeah fifty percent. You're you're putting your time and effort into into making something. We are take a break and give a shout out to the sponsors. A podcast city network.
0: You're listening to The Everett Lee Show.
2: The following support and sponsor Podcast City Network City Limits Captain, sports bar in DeLand, Florida, has brew on tap, serves food, the grilled cheese is excellent. For upcoming events, check out City Limits Taproom on Facebook.com slash City Limits Three Count Design offers a wide range of graphic design products, video, photography, and other forms of media. Everything from t-shirt designs to websites. Visit Facebook.com slash Three Count Design for more. All supporters and sponsors are brought to you by Podcast City Network.
1: gentlemen let's broaden our minds
2: for more of the everett lee show on social media follow and like the everett lee show on facebook the everett lee show twitter at the ever underscore lee instagram everett lee show audio versions of this podcast and previously released podcast can be found on everettleeshow.podbean.com stitcher radio the everett lee show give a rating and comment Apple Podcast, The Everett Lee Show, give a rating and comment. YouTube, The Everett Lee Show, subscribe to the channel. The Everett Lee Show, your shot of entertainment to the head.
0: Hey fans, here at Podcast City Network, we have a lot of great shows on all of our great social media outlets, podcastcity.net,
1: facebook.com slash Network, hit that thumbs up. You can send a tweet to Podcast City Network on Twitter at Podcast City Net,
2: only on Podcast City
0: Network. You're listening to The Everett Lee Show.
1: On Black weight, Eric Roberts. He was in that too. Yeah, Eric yeah. was there. Yeah, Eric Yes. Eric Roberts. Eric is
0: it? from New Orleans, you know, he's a crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh no, actually we cast him on purpose, you know. We were like uh we had a role that was like he had to do a lot of exposition. So uh he's got to rattle off all these facts about the science of what's going on. And it was like, yeah. let's get Eric. He's a weird guy. And he is, <laughs> you know, like he shows up and he's very eccentric, you know, it's yes. like he's uh, on his own planet. Yes. Uh, but Eric also is a lot of fun. You know, he's a hoot. He's got a lot of stories, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, he's, he's kind of nuts, you know, like, right. uh, he's doing his own thing. But like, that is what we needed for that part. Because, uh, like, If we cast somebody who was not Eric Roberts, like it would be kind of a bland, kind of vanilla. He's a scientist, you know, like one of those kind of roles. And we needed a little zaniness. So it was like, cast Eric, he'll show up, he'll be weird. He'll be fine. (laughs) And he was, he was totally bizarre. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's that that's amazing that that is. and of course, we have a couple mutu- uh mutual friends, Tom Ryan and Todd Stretch. they they had a part. I love those had, guys. They had a part in yeah. uh, Black Wake too as well, right?
0: Yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. I mean like well first of all, uh Tom Ryan is a great director. Yes. So like theater of terror and the short films that he did. I mean, like he's one of my heroes and he's got such a powerful, strong personality. Yeah. So like with Tom Ryan, it's like, I, uh, I needed a guy who would show up and the character's head has to explode. And a parasite comes out. He has to beat the shit out of somebody. And I was like, Tom Ryan, like cast Tom, because like Tom is gung ho and we'll go for it. And then Tom comes in and does the thing. And he's great. And then Tom, of course, he's, he's he's got a great sense of humor. He does the scene. And he's like, you know what? You should call this movie The Fisherman, because that's my character. You know, he's a fisherman. <laughs> he comes in and does it. But, like, Tom was great. You know, he was in for a couple of days and, like, you know, nailed it. Mm-hmm. And then Todd Starooch at the time, of Black Week, was, like, more of a, uh, like a horror personality, like a guy who was programming horror films, like, doing film festivals and stuff. And... uh I had this little part where I was like, you know, like there's this guy who, uh, he was playing Tom Ryan's friends, you know? So he's like, yeah, I saw my friend, his head explode and his brains came out. And I was like, we gotta get Todd Strooch in here to do this. And Todd Strooch showed up and he's got his fishing vest on and he steals the movie. He's only in like a little bit of it, but he shows up and he's like doing his thing. And it's like, this guy is great. And then we gave the footage to the editor and she's like, this guy's the best person in the whole movie he's like <laughs> hilarious he's so adorable and then you know we showed audiences and they get it like such a rise out of like Todd spruce when he shows up he's he's so good in it and then mm-hmm. uh and my most recent feature uh Flatface, i was doing a bar scene with some yes. famous actors in it and i was like i gotta get my friends there you know so i cast like all these like indie horror directors who are my friends. Mm-hmm. So I got Tom Ryan and Patrick Devaney and like people like that. And I said, like, Todd Strooch, please show up. <laughs> and they all came and they're like hanging out in the bar while like Dan Hadaya and, uh, uh, Lee baby from sneaky Pete and August uh, mature from the Nun are doing these scenes, you know, and, and all my friends who are these great directors are like hanging out, like in the bar. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is, this is how you make movies, man. Even if you're working with famous people, right? it's like, You have the famous people, they're doing the scene, but like surround yourself with your friends because like Patrick and Tom and Todd, like they were so supportive. They were so happy to be there. They're really talented people. Like the movies that they make are really good. Like Patrick, I think is a visionary sci-fi horror director. Mm -hmm. Like he's my hero, Like he's, he's like the DIY, like best of the best of like indie horror directors on the east coast in my opinion yes and uh to have them like showing up and supporting you you know while you're doing your three hundred thousand dollar indie horror feature like that it doesn't get any better than that no. you know it's like and then then you're like you, my friends are here and the famous people are here and we've got a great crew and we're making the movie and that was that was the feature that i did um we're in post on it right now, but that, I directed that in uh, October and November of last year, and that was called uh, Slapface, and that was a indie horror monster movie that was a really special experience for me. Yeah, I
1: was I was going to ask you about that because Slapface. I I noticed in when I was going through your your bio on IMDb, you did a short called Slapface, but you that's right you re you reshot it into a feature in a feature film and when i read the re, when i read the plot of the of the story i was like wow this is going to be interesting uh, a boy becomes a friend with a dangerous monster that that right. sounds that sounds that sounds really good there i'm i'm looking for oh to thank you
0: it. that was a really special experience yeah so like the deal with that was um so i wrote this feature length Horror movie called Slapface, and it's uh, a boy and a monster. And like the vibe of it, you know, it's like it's not Harry and the Hendersons. It's more like I love Phantasm, you know, like that's like a, a little kid in a horror movie that is adult, you know. So, uh, so Slapface was that it's like a little kid makes sense of the monster, but adult things are happening. Mm-hmm. It's like the murder is real and lethal and dark, yes. and, and really fucked up, you mm-hmm. know. And so I'm trying to make that movie for years. Like I'm doing all this other stuff. I'm doing the Sadist. I'm doing Black Wake. I'm doing all this, all these other movies. Right. And uh, I'm trying to make Flatface. I mean, you know, producers come and go, but like nobody really understood the tone of it. They're like, it's like Harry and the Hendersons, right? I'm like, no. It's like <laughs> it's like Phantasm. And, like, and, you know, people like you and me know what Phantasm are, but, like, yeah. producers with, like, $300,000 are like, what the fuck is Phantasm? Right. <laughs> you know? And, and you're like, ah, you have no idea. You know? So, um, so I'm like, all right, maybe I'll never make slap Face. Uh-huh. And then Dom, the, the, the director of photography, Dom X. Who shot Flat who shot uh, The Sadist, he's been my friend for many years. He's been in my director of photography on many projects. Right. He's like, uh, hey, why don't we, uh, that slap face thing, why don't we do it as a short? You know, I'll pay for it. Let's make it as a short. I'm uh-huh. like, great. So I like take the feature, I distill it down into like a five, six page thing. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And he's like, well, why don't we crowdfund? And I'm like, cool. We start crowdfunding. We make the money that way. We get uh-huh. like, you know, what, five grand or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's awesome because I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have it. You know, it's like, uh, uh, But I really wanted you to make things. Let's go make it. So we get a special effects artist. We go make the short. And I'm like, we make the short. And it's very good experience. We had good actors and a great crew. And everybody was there for the movie. Mm -hmm. And I felt satisfied. I was like, you know what? If nothing else happens with this feature, I don't care. You know, we made the short. I care about it. I love it. We did the film festival thing. It played for like three years. And it did well. And I was like, you know what? I'm satisfied artistically. It, it, like, doesn't even matter if I make the feature or not. And uh, but it, but because it did well in some festivals, um, these producers had caught wind of it, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, what's this slap face thing? And these producers, like, this was around the time that like movies like Hereditary and The Babadook were coming out, yeah. and it was like, a, and they were looking for like a dysfunctional family drama story mm-hmm. with a monster in it you know, and they're like, well, Slapface is that, you know, it's a, it's a kid and his brother. And like, you know, it's a family story mm-hmm. that's all fucked up. Like the story outside of the monster is damaged and scary and upsetting and traumatic. Right. You know? And then the monster like kind of fills in that niche, that horror niche, which where it's like the witch or it's like the Babadook where it's like without the monster in it, it's scary. And it's like hereditary without the, The the supernatural in it, the family is all fucked up and interesting. Yeah, and then put in the supernatural, and it's really unnerving and fucked up and scary. Yeah, and that's what these producers wanted. They wanted something like that. So I am grateful for the Babadook. I'm grateful for Hereditary. I'm grateful for Midsummer. I'm grateful for uh, all those movies that came out that that were that type of thing. Mm. Because without them paving the way for that kind of movie, like Slapface, never would have gotten made. Uh, but like they liked the short and they read the feature and they were like, uh, "Yeah, this is great. You know, we we can make this movie." And then they found the money, and uh, they were like, uh, they made an offer to um, August Maturo, who was the kid from the Nun, which was a million. You know, the 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 conjuring, uh, movie yeah, and yeah. August uh, was amazing he was like the best uh, child actor you could dream of uh, an ally a friend like he showed up and like was Tom Sizemore he was ready to play uh-huh. like ready to do all the stuff he's 12 years old and, and a delight to work with there was nice. none of that like child actor stoppishness. he was more like no I love horror movies <laughs> and I love this character and I love that I'm friends with the monster and I believe it Mm -hmm. You know, and then, uh, and then Libé Barrère was an actress from a TV show called Sneaky Pete, and, uh, she played the the female lead. And then, um, it's very interesting, uh, because, um, the sheriff, uh, we had another actor attached for a while who was very famous, wonderful actor. And I've no, it's no problem. I mean, like he did a big studio movie and his, and his cachet went back up and he couldn't do our movie anymore. And then suddenly we're like, who are we going to cast? And then we made an offer to, uh, an actor named Dan Hedaya. And Dan has been in everything. Like Dan was in cheers. He was in blood simple, which is the Coen brothers first movie. Mm -hmm. He was in the Adams family. He was in clueless. He was in the usual suspects, Mulholland drive. He's been in everything. Uh, so like, uh, Dan's been in every single movie ever. Right. Uh And so his agent manager, like, uh, hey, you want to do this movie, Slapface? It's a horror movie. And he's like, nah. And then uh, and then he's like going on living his life. And he's like, Slapface, what a good title. And he's like, I feel called to this movie. Uh-huh. He's like, send me the scripts. And he reads it. He reads the whole thing. And he's like, I have to do it. And then like, you know, when he shows up on set, he was like, I read the script. And, uh, I'm interested in the whole movie. I'm not just interested in my part, you know, but like, I feel like, you know, when I'm in your movie, I feel like I have to fit into the big picture of your movie. So tell me everything your movie is about. And I was like, holy crap, this guy really cares. You know, this guy is really, he's 79 years old wow and he shows up and he's like, I want to know everything about what your movie is. So he's uh, he's pretty
1: much ready to go. And,
0: And he's ready to go. Yeah. No, he's doing these scenes and you're like, Man, I want to be like you when I'm seventy nine years old. You know, he still <laughs> cares completely. And not just about his part. You know, he didn't yeah. show up and be like, I'm the sheriff. He was like, I am part of your movie. I am part of the mosaic of what you're doing. I'm part of the bigger picture. Right. So tell me what you really are doing with this movie and I will be a part of that. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, you know, it's like you <laughs> you were making movies when I was twelve. You know? I was twelve when I saw Blood Simple. You know, I was like I saw that movie and I was like, I wanna make movies because I love Blood Simple. And now like that actor is doing my movie and it's like, dude, I I cared about you when I was twelve, you know? It's like when I was twelve I saw you and was like, I wanna make movies. Right. You know, And, and then these part of your thing and uh any any And he's kind of like, and uh, you know, it's like, that's the thing about these famous actors is like, they, they're like, I will give myself over to what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, it was very moving to me. I was like, I was like, well, thank you. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm like half your age and I don't know half as much as you do, but like, I'm grateful that you're showing up and giving me everything. And he really did. You know, it's like, yeah, the guy's got to do this, like, It's a horror movie. So like in a certain movie, at a certain point, you got to like lie there covered in special effects, you know? Right. It's like, I'm sorry, man, you're 79 years old and I got to cover you in this shit. (laughs) And he's like, no, no, it's great. It's great. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I care about it. I'm I'm, I'm happy to lie here and do whatever you want. (laughs) And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, you know, it's like, it's like, man, I want to be you when I'm 79, 80 years old. I want to be, I want to, I want to care as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want to show up on a movie and be like, I am so excited about getting covered in this fucking special tech shit. You know, it's like, uh, cause, uh, cause we cared about, you know, he's 79. And again, it's like Angus Scrimm or Tom Sizemore. It's like, we cared about the exact same things when we were 12. Right. You know, right. and here we are, we're making this movie. We're playing cops and robbers. We're playing monsters and victims. Mm -hmm. and uh and we get to do this and we're getting paid to do this we're getting paid to show up and do this ridiculous stuff yeah and commit to it Mm -hmm. and like that's the the thing that's really beautiful about guys like dan and tom and yeah you know savini Sizemore, dan and i uh, um august machuro was 12 all of them Mm -hmm. they all show up and they're like we are we are there for you and it's like you know not everybody you know like you know it's like If you work in show business long enough, you're going to work with actors who are like, I don't really give a fuck. Mm -hmm. I barely know my lines. I'm going to do the bare minimum of what's required for you. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're like, oh, man, it's everybody in show business an asshole. But like, actually, it's not true. Like 90% of the people you meet are going to be like super fucking awesome and cool Mm -hmm. and still care about it. And, uh, and then, and then, and then when you see them care about it, you care about it more. You're like, Angus Scrim was like in his eighties when he did, I sell the dead. Mm -hmm. Like he was like really fucking old. You know, he died like I think two or three years after that. Mm -hmm. But like right up until the end, he was like, we are part of a noble profession. You know, we are part of something that is like bigger than us. We are actors. We are filmmakers. We're we're playing make-believe, you know, and we're getting paid to play make-believe. And isn't it wonderful that we get to do this? And when you watch Angus Scream or Dan Hadaya do that, you're like, yeah, yeah, it is fucking awesome. We get to do this. Oh my God. You know, it's like, we are so lucky to be here. And then when the entrails come out and like all the fucking blood is all over the floor and like all that kind of shit, you know, you're like, you know what? We're getting paid to do this. And, uh, and it's fun. And like, and you know, it's like, if you did this in real life, you would get arrested. But if you do this in a movie, you are having fun, you know, and yeah. you're like getting to do that thing, which is like, um, you know, I always wanted to be the Wolfman, or I always wanted to be Dracula, mm-hmm. and now you're now you are being Dracula, the Wolfman, or now you are being the bad scientist or whatever, right? And that right. is really fucking cool, you yes. know, and I don't take it for granted ever. You know, it's like uh, show business is strange and weird, and all sorts of things happen. But I've had more great experiences than bad ones, and and more great experiences with people than bad ones. And like, uh, and it's continually all about like uh, the magic of uh, of make believe, right? You know, and I'm sure Alan Cheney felt that way when he was doing The Hunchback, and I'm sure Boris Karloff felt that way when he was doing Frankenstein. And Tom Savini feels that way now, and Sizemore, and all those guys, and and me too. It's like, wow, what a privilege to be able to do what we do. That's
1: that's amazing, man. That is getting getting work with work with actors that. Are willing to, you know, go in a hundred percent and just, yeah. you know, just take, take on that role and stuff. It, it makes it easier for you because there it's once they, once they see what you're doing and how you're shooting and what, and they're like, okay, I get it. All right, let's go with it. Because it I, yeah. I think it, it excites them because it's like, all right, I'm with someone, I'm working with someone, I'm under direction of someone that knows what the, what, what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> That's, totally. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's great. I I love that. Oh yeah. I I wanted to mention. Totally. I wanted to mention that uh, I wanted to give you uh congratulations for the the list of awards you won for or you got nominated for Black Wake. I was going through the list. Oh, there, thank you. And I was sitting there looking looking at all the all the listings and the awards. I was like, wow, this is this is great. I I love this. I love this, and I'm definitely, I, I did watch the trailer. I haven't watched the movie yet, though, but when I watch the trailer, I'm like, I really want to see this movie now, and I really want to see Slap Face because just the name Slap Face just sounds awesome, sure. and it's just the plot of the story sounds really amazing, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. And you, you have some other movies that I noticed that you have on post-production for this year, twenty twenty, what does Jeremiah Kip have in store for twenty twenty? Anything that you can mention that's on the horizon for you?
0: I sure can. Uh, well, let's see. For the for the film festivals, there's two short films that just came out. So there's one called Perfect that is a uh, feminist uh, twist on the Frankenstein story, where it's like it kind of takes the Frankenstein myth and like relocates it into the New York dating scene taken seriously it sounds like almost like a Saturday Night Live skit yeah. but it's like dark and dark and uh, weird and uh, that's one that's another proof of concept for feature I was working with a great actress named Ashley Tyler it was her idea she was like I want to do this like fucked up Frankenstein movie and I was like that's you're speaking my language let's go <laughs> Ashley was great to work with and then there was a comedy of all things called Fizzle it uh-huh. was kind of like a if Seinfeld met uh, the French New Wave, which is very experimental and weird, it would be like Fizzle. It's uh, it's got a great cast that includes people like Peter Friedman from Secession and uh, Jeffrey Owens, who was on the Cosby Show and now he's on a TV show called Power. Like great cast of people. So like, and it was very cool to be like working in a in the comedy genre after doing so many horror films, like right. doing something quirky and uh, dialogue driven and weird. Uh, slap in post and, uh, we'll hope to uh, unleash that on audiences this year. And then, uh, off of slap face, I booked another horror movie that is shooting in uh, Los Angeles in, uh, in April. I signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't say too much about it mm. other than to say it's an action horror movie with a, uh, a well-known British actor who is kicking some demon-ass, you know, or monsters. Nice. He's fighting some monsters. Nice. Um, I can't say anything else other than that other than the script is really good. And uh, there'll be a lot of mayhem. Uh, but that's what I'm shooting in uh, 2020. I may have already said too much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but, I, uh, but I was excited about the script. And uh, it was really nice to go from, like, slap face, like, right into another project, like, right after that. Mm-hmm. So um so that's 2020 is two short films doing the festival thing a feature that will be ready to go by uh, at some point in 2020 that the festivals will see and uh and a feature in production that like will have a lot of blood and a lot of uh, a lot of um, a lot of gore and a lot of monsters
1: nice Nice. I'm I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I can use my imagination and try and try to think, you know, it's like how many British actors do I know? So I'll have to hit the, I'll have to hit the Internet, you know, and just, <laughs> That's
0: and right. just, and just I'll, I'll, I'll leave you guessing.
1: Yeah. Just leave me guessing. I love that. I love that because it be on there. it's like, okay. And then once I start seeing the stuff on, on social media, I love, uh, I want to mention about your social media. I love your social media because I love how you Thank put you. up brand new pictures of stuff. It kind of reminds me. It's like, I get people say, you don't post enough on your, on your profile. I was like, I post everything on my Everett Lee show, but my other pro- profile, my real name. I I get you don't post much. I'm like okay, so I start posting random shit, just crazy <laughs> stuff. And I like the one post that you put out the other day of of Christine. I I loved I love yeah
0: that. I love that I, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use my social media like my social. The way I approach social media is um, it's not like there's not a lot of stuff about my personal life on my social media, but there's a lot about what I care about. Right. I love movies. I love horror films. I love, I I love non-horror films. I love like art movies and I love, um, great acting, you know? So when I'm doing, you know, Instagram and Facebook, I usually use it as a way to talk about like all the things I care about, you know, I care about. Like, you know, like Christine, I yes. love that movie. I think it's a great film. It's yeah. well-made. The acting is fantastic. Harry Dean Stanton, amazing. The car, great. You know, the, the, the widescreen cinematography by, you know, it was Don Morgan, not Dean Cundy. Beautifully shot movie. Yeah. You know, I'm a super nerd. I'm like, at your right when it comes to, like, loving films. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I use social media for is not for myself, but to promote uh, actors and other filmmakers that I really admire. Yes. So like if there's people on the East coast, the West coast and the Midwest that I think are great filmmakers, I try to say, you know, Patrick Ray is a great horror director in the Midwest, you know, and I'll try to talk about his work on my social media, you know, or, um, so-and-so is a great actor. You should hire this person. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when I'm not doing that I'm usually talking about movies that I think are great like oh I just saw um, I don't know you know I just saw the 1988 version of The Blob again like how fucking awesome is it that (laughs) like uh, you know Kevin Dillon's mullet you know and uh, (laughs) Eraserhead is the doctor in that movie and uh, dude like the guy from Robocop gets like sucked out of the thing in, in the Blob and Jeffrey DeMunn plays the sheriff I mean like fucking see this movie if you haven't seen the 1988 plot like fucking shut the fuck up about sequels and watch it because that (laughs) movie is great that's how i use social media you know it's like they don't need to know what i ate for lunch right and they don't need to know who i'm dating yeah and they don't need to know um you know what i feel about uh Bernie Sanders or whoever, Yeah. you know, Yeah. but like, you know, cause it's like that stuff. I mean, I feel like you get that a lot on social media. There's a lot of politics and there's a lot of like personal stuff. And it's like, you know what? I want to put something out into the world that I, that I, that is unadulteratedly wonderful, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, right. like the 1988 blob is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> and Everybody should go see that movie. Yeah. So, like, I'll post about, like, that, or I'll post mm-hmm. about, like, oh, I just saw this, like, freaking crazy film noir from 1955, where at the ending of the movie, the world blows up, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Kiss Me Deadly is fucking insane, you know? I and, like, that. that's kind of a thing, right? I think it's actually a really nice um, nice way to, like, you know, because everybody reads social media, and it's, like, there's a lot of heavy shit that people talk about. Yeah, and then like, yeah. you know, if they're like, flip, if they're scrolling through and then they see the three lead actors from Christine standing in front of that fucking beautiful car, mm-hmm. they'll be like, Oh yeah. That fucking awesome John Carpenter movie from yeah. like, you know, 1983 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I'd like to see that again. And yeah, it's really I, good. It's a really good movie. It is. It, um, is. it is. It yeah. made
1: me want to. Get, it made me want to see it again because I the last time I actually seen that movie, I think I was about a whole, uh, the first time I seen the movie I was about I was about nine years old. It came on oh, HBO yeah. and watched it. I loved it and was terrified to get in the car at the same time. But like yeah, later, it really does got, achieve that. Yeah, just as I got a little bit older. I watched it again. I'm like this. This movie's great. I love it. My favorite scene out of that so is well made. when he's talking to the car and he's like, "Come on, baby," and he. And oh yeah. yeah, I love that. So he's like,
0: "Show me," and then the lights come on. Yes, and it's like, "Whoa, that is a movie moment." Yeah, like, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, it's that. That's one of my favorite scenes there because it's like it's totally like, it's, it's like. The relationship he had with the car and stuff but i i am still bummed that the car killed him inside you know i know
0: it's still, like heartbreaking yeah, he lo- like his is. romance with the car is mm-hmm. like even better than his romance with yeah. the, the girl yeah played by alexander paul of, uh, of baywatch fame mm-hmm. uh but um yeah like it's it's really it's actually a really sad movie because it like is. you know stephen king was always so good at like showing those characters who like those high school characters who are like totally picked on by everybody like Carrie white and right. the kid from Christine, like your, your heart goes out to them and you're like, yeah. man, you're like fucking sucks. And like, so then it's like he falls in love with this car, of course, because, yeah, you know, cause he's so unloved in, in school, you know, So you know, Stephen King was always so good at the character stuff, you know, it's yeah, like that, yeah. that I think is why Christine is such a great movie. Yeah. Cause you always, if you're, if you're like a horror nerd, you know i mean, my high school experience was pretty good, but like but there are times when you feel totally lonely and totally isolated, mm-hmm. you know, and like Christine like captures those feelings perfectly, yes, so like the best feeling you have in the world is like driving around in your car oh, and yeah. listening to the radio, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, because you have that relationship, you have that relationship with your car every everyone has totally. that totally uh, that relationship with with their car and stuff, but this one this one just killed people. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. No, when it's, like, when it's killing the bullies, like, a part of you is, like, yeah, fuck them, you know? Mm -hmm. But then it's, like, you know, but then it's, like, oh, it's pretty dark (laughs) It's, like, pretty dark shit, you know? It is. Yeah, I love Christine. It's, like, a very underrated, like, John Carpenter classic, Mm -hmm. you know? It's, uh... It is. I mean, he's a great director, though. He's one of the best of the best. Like they live and the thing and yes. uh, they live the fog and Halloween, and Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. No, it's like whenever, whenever I meet anybody who uh, hasn't seen Big Trouble in Little China, I'm like, there's two types of people in this world: people who fucking love Big Trouble in Little China, and people who have not seen it yet.
1: I know. <laughs> I I I I, lo- I I love that. I haven't seen it in years and stuff. You're you're making me want to go back and like pull up very and stuff that Kurt
0: Russell in his uh, prime.
1: Yeah, yeah. Kurt Kurt Russell just just great. I to so, me and my wife we had a uh, had a discussion a while back ago about like '80s action movies. When you think yeah. of 80s action movies, you think of Schwarzenegger, you think of uh, oh, Stallone, yeah. and uh, you think of Bruce Willis. And I said to her... I die
0: said, Hard is classic.
1: Yeah, yeah, Die Hard is. And I, 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 said to, I said to my wife, I said, is there anyone that nowadays that can hold that is is today's Schwarzenegger, Stallone, or Bruce Willis? I can't really think of anyone. That can it's hold. tough.
0: I he mean, is. the closest we get nowadays is like Jason Statham. Yes. Who I think is like that. a pretty good. You know, he's pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. but like, but he doesn't have like the, the movie to support it. You know, it's like back in the '80s, you had Predator, you had yeah. you know uh, Terminator, you had Die Hard. Yes. You know, it's like you had Cobra, you had First Blood. Like mm-hmm. the movies could really support the action star. And Jason Statham, I think, you know, if he'd come out in the 80s, he would have had a bunch of kick-ass, incredible films. Yeah. But now, you know, it's like the Meg, and you're like, you watch it, and you're like, eh, it's all right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not his fault. I mean, Jason Statham is really cool. Yeah. But, like, but the movie around him is not as special or as interesting or as weird as, like, Predator or whatever. And, like, The Rock also is, like, really charismatic. I mean, like, he is... As charismatic as Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But he hasn't had the movies that can support his talent the way that Schwarzenegger did, like Terminator, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. These movies had good script. Like the, the writing was good. The premise was good. The yeah. James Cameron, Paul Verhoeven, great directors. Oh, yeah. And like yeah. The Rock is as talented as Schwarzenegger, but he hasn't had the the good projects yeah, that yeah, Schwarzenegger had.
1: Yeah, he hasn't found that that you know that 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 movie because when you th- when you hear the name Schwarzenegger, you think of yeah, you think of Predator, The Terminator, that's uh, right. Commando, that's right, Bruce Willis, Commando, died. yeah, yeah, Commando is just great, man. It has the best one line, so good, yeah, <laughs> it does, it does, it does. Just for kicks, one day I I looked up on I found accidentally on YouTube someone threw together a, a two part video of. All Schwarzenegger one-liners from all his movies, and fuck, I gotta watch that. Yeah, it's it's great. I think out of all the one-liners, one of my favorite ones was from Twins when he close-lines the guy and Danny DeVito <laughs> says, "What'd you do?" And he's like, "I didn't do nothing." Fantastic. Pavement was his enemy. I love that. I love that
0: line. Oh, um, that's great. <laughs> but you know, man, the eight in the eighties, like comedies would have like a bunch of scripts in them, yeah. like like Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Pretty funny movie. Oh, God, but like yeah. the end of that movie, like when they shoot the bad guy, they're like fucking blasting him. And like, he's got 30 squibs going off, you know, it's like, yeah. and then 48 hours, like the first Eddie Murphy movie with Nick Nolte. Yes. Pretty fucking violent movie where like a bunch of people are getting blown away and killed. You know, you're kind of like, right. all right, where's right. that movie now? Like 48 hours of Beverly Hills Cop are not getting made down. And that's, that's a crying shame. Honestly, it's like we could use some comedies to have, uh, some first-class mayhem in them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would have to say, I would have to say what cl- came close to Beverly Hills in the 90s would have to be Bad Boys, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, right?
0: Yeah. Well, thank have... you for saying that because, like, I'm a Bad Boys fan also. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I think that, um, I mean, everybody hates Michael Bay, but, like, yeah. I think Bad Boys 1 and 2 are really good. Oh, yeah, they're And great. The Rock is really great. Yes. But, like, Bad Boys 1 and 2, wrong. it's like, Man, you really can't argue with the star talent of those yeah. two guys. You know, it's really entertaining.
1: It is. It is. You 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 can't. Yeah. The I lo- I love the Rock. I loved I loved Nicholas Cage yeah, so and good. Sean Connery, and just it, it was just great. It was great seeing that movie there. Bad Boys, Beverly close to Beverly Hills Cop, and uh,
0: I agree with you. That's, that's a good point.
1: That's another one. Lethal Weapon. You can't forget about Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, freaking
0: Lethal Weapon. Like, talk about a violent movie. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, like that one is like hardcore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you got you got your lead character sticking a gun in his mouth, like being like, "Mm, maybe I'm gonna end it. Like wow, that's know, pretty man. fucking bold.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, that 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 was bold right there. I mean, because look look at what oh, yeah.
0: his Good character movie. went
1: through. His wife died around Christmas. Yeah. It's like you think this guy likes so Christmas? Crazy. No, man.
0: <laughs> I know like, it's crazy. Oh no, yeah, thanks for mentioning *Lethal Weapon*. That was like prime. Like, like Mel Gibson was phenomenal in oh, it. God, and, yeah. Like, gary busey is the bad guy like there were a couple years where gary busey could show up in a movie and be like incredible yes uh you know that all went away but like Uh the lethal weapon era gary gary busey and predators up to predators two, probably you're like you're amazing yeah
1: and then and then gary busey you talk about being a villain uh let's uh i'm trying to think of the other one uh under Siege, Steven Seagal. Under Siege. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Tommy him and Tommy Jones, Jones is a
0: bad guy. It's like a very yeah. good Stephen Seagal movie.
1: Yeah, yes, it was really good. I, I still, to this day, I remember we were by my stepmom. She rented it at the video store. So we sat down. It was me, my younger bro- my younger stepbrother, me, and my my father. So we pop, pop in Under Siege. And then Fantastic. it got to the
0: part. Really well-made where, movie.
1: Yes, it got to the part where um Erica Elaniak popped out a cake. As oh, yeah. popped out a cake, my my stepmom <laughs> hit stop and said, Boys, it's time to go to bed. And I was like, No. That's like I wanna oh, see, yeah. see right. where's where's the girl that popped out <laughs> a cake, man? I wanna see that. <laughs> you know? It's, awesome. It, it's just it's just good good memories on that, man. Just different different Big movies time. and stuff and and just um one movie i want to see that just came out um our our good friend todd stretch said he went and seen it and he said it was pretty good and i i just watching the trailer for it and just seeing it i want to see that one with uh with um damn i can't believe her name's slipping my head uh she was in twilight
0: uh Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Oh yeah, underwater. I was reading good reviews for this. I think it's called Underwater.
1: Yeah, I want to see that. Is that man. it? Yeah, It's underwater. like
0: Alien Underwater, but like... Yeah. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I was like, eh, it looks kind of predictable. But then like the people who saw it, mm-hmm. like the, the word of mouth in that movie is terrific. Like yeah. they're like, oh, it's so good. It's like solid, like entertaining. She's great. And it made me think like, man, it must be one of those like movies, like Pitch Black or something like that, where yeah. you're like, yeah, it's probably going to be kind of stupid. And then people see it, and they're like, oh, no, it's excellent. You've got to see it. It is. Uh, I, I trust the word of mouth about that movie. Like, I mean, everybody I know, who because I was like, ah, fuck that movie. It's going to suck. Uh-huh. But, like, every single person I know who's seen it, like, has come back to me and been like, oh, my God, it's really good. Like, the B-movie movie that you wanted to see is that. So, yeah, I got, I, like you, I'm like, yeah, i got to check it out.
1: Yeah, I I like looking for those movies that you don't hear. That's like a sleeper hit. You don't you you, yeah. you, you don't hear to You see a you see a uh, trailer for it, and then people people nowadays they they shit all over the trailer, and then come to find out that, that movie's actually good. It's, it's
0: actually, well, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Underwater, that's like stupid." Yeah. And then everybody's like, "It's awesome." And I'm like, "Must be." <laughs> it, it reminds... I mean, I'm sure it is. Actually, it was like everybody I know, who, whose opinion I really respect about this kind of movie, mm-hmm. has been like, "No, nah, man, it's really good."
1: <laughs> it, it it looks really it, good. Looks it looks really good, and it reminds me of reminds me of three movies. Reminds me of Aliens. Reminds me of the yep. Abyss. It reminds you of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it
1: reminds you of, of reminds I like those of, movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like this, this is great and and I mean the cast from what I've seen is pretty damn good. So I'm Pretty damn good. I'm looking looking forward to that because I Me I too. can look, I can look past Kristen Stewart stuff from Twilight because I've seen her in uh what was it uh Snow, the Snow White movie.
0: I, she's really good. Yeah, she no, is. she's a good actress. You know, it's like Twilight. You know, we can't hold that shit against those people. Yeah. You know, so Robert yeah. Pattinson's really good. I mean, like yeah. he's been doing some fucking bold movies, and mm-hmm. no, you, Twilight is not their fault. <laughs> you know, it's right. like they, right. they 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 got rich making that movie, and now they can do like the good stuff. So mm-hmm. off they run.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like just like the cast with the uh, with the uh, with Harry Potter with Harry Potter. That's L. right. Totally. Um, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, I can't believe like names are
0: starting. To slip oh, I can't her. remember her name right now either. But yeah. she's cool. She's been doing good movies. Yeah, good actress.
1: Yeah, there's one movie that she did that came out a year a few years ago. It was called Life of Being a Wallflower. I I love that.
0: Oh yeah, I yeah. heard that was really good. I haven't seen it.
1: Yeah, it's it it's a really good. It's a really good movie. It's I I enjoyed it in and just the premise of the movie and the story is just great because it, it takes... I like, I like those movies that have that timeline and takes place like around the nineties because I was,
0: Oh yeah. The nineties were great.
1: And just a lot of, a lot of good stuff happened during the nineties when I was a teenager. So I, I really do enjoy
0: that. So that's, yeah. That's the nineties cool. were a great time for me too. Like good music mm-hmm. and good fashion. Flannel shirts. Great.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was, I, I, I love the grunge scene. I, I loved, uh, yeah. I loved Nirvana, uh, Alpha yeah, Chan, Nirvana South and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I loved them. But um, right now, people can see I'm sporting a Van Halen shirt. I was sitting there jamming out to Van Halen today. I found my Van Halen shirt. <laughs> I'm like, you thing. know I'm going to put my Van Halen shirt on, man. The, the Roth era. I remember I was.
0: Yeah, man. David Lee Roth was a great fucking artist. You oh, know, yeah. like Mr. Charisma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, great he, band. He so they had good music. Eddie Van Halen, fucking amazing guitar player. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Eddie, Eddie could shred just just crazy. Uh, when I was five years old, I was exposed to Van Halen on MTV because at five nice. years old, my life was Sesame Street and MTV because my older brother, <laughs> older brother... All I saw the ju- a I balanced s- diet. Yeah, it was a balanced diet, man. I learned how to count. One, two, three. Okay, get up on the couch, jump off like, uh, uh, like David Lee Roth did in the jump video. One, two, three. There Fantastic. you go. You jump. Get your ass kicked by your parents for jumping off the couch here because you're jumping off the couch. But then Fantastic. seeing seeing v- uh, Van like Van Halen, Billy Idol, and the Beastie Boys, five years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, all
1: that good yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much in Sesame Street. Yeah, that. That pretty much was my life at five years old. (laughs) I remember going in the bathroom and trying to spike my hair like Billy Idol. my mom's like yeah, what he was are you a doing he
0: was great
1: <laughs> yeah. my mom was like what are
0: you doing
1: and I'm sitting there you know trying to spike my hair like Billy Idol <laughs> and she yelled at my brother it's like what are you doing to her what are you doing to your brother you know and then and then just I, I had I had a pretty good pretty good childhood getting exposed to a lot of a lot of good things and seeing and listening to yeah. a lot of good stuff man I mean it's just it, it it was great I I had good times, bad times. I wouldn't take nothing in the world, you know. Like if yeah, I had to man. do it again, oh. I would I would I would do it again without having the bad. But just a lot of good and everything. I just I just love yeah, it. Man. Um it's funny because my 2-year-old daughter, I was sitting here right here on the computer one day and I was going through the uh, music and she wanted to she wanted daddy. So I sat her on my I sat her on my lap right here and we sent her going through YouTube and I started playing some like rock music and she's sitting there bobbing her head up and down and stuff and everything I'm like yeah that's my daughter my wife says I tried to do that with her with with music I'm like what are you playing well pop and stuff I was like that's why I was like she likes what daddy likes because daddy rocks (laughs) perfect yeah it's just good times man good times but um I wanna wanna thank you for coming on tonight and uh, talking with me, talking about talking about your films. Had had a great time and uh, just everything that's going to be coming out for 2020, and I'm really really excited. And I know we talked about social media earlier, and where where can people find you at on social media?
0: Well, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's like if you just type in my name, Jeremiah Kip there's uh jeremiah's pretty uh rare name so like uh you'll you can find me pretty easily um i accept most friends so like uh if you're curious about like uh movies and genre stuff uh hit me up and uh we'll keep the conversation going
1: excellent excellent and speaking of social media I do well before I do mention social media for for myself. I do want to make an announcement that next week on the Everett Lee Show, Tuesday night, January twenty first at nine p.m. Eastern, six p.m. Pacific, I will have none other than uh, film director Tom Ryan and host of the Imaginarium with Scott and Todd Todd Starech of the theater of terror anthology it will be streaming live on twitch.tv slash the everett lee and right here on facebook.com slash the everett lee and you can keep up with the everett lee show on podcast your top source for independent podcasting. follow them on facebook podcast city network send them a tweet over on twitter at podcast net and subscribe and follow them on youtube podcast city network Everett Lee Show, you can follow me. Give me a like and a thumbs up and a follow on Facebook, The Everett Lee Show. Send me a tweet over on Twitter at the Everett Score Lee. Hit me up on Instagram, Everett Lee Show. And to listen to audio portions of this podcast and previous release podcast, head over to my YouTube channel, Everett Lee Show. Subscribe to that. Stitcher Radio everett lee shows available there itunes and on podbeam so download those apps for your phone and log in and leave a comment and a rating for the everett lee show and ladies and gentlemen that is it <laughs> everyone have a good night and i will see you next week for another episode of the Everly show peace